Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 117. It is I, your old mate, DJ Payne. And on this fortnight's episode of Thrive Deeper, your favourite Bible podcast, come on, admit it, Uh, Matthew and I sit down and we begin uh, part one of a two-part series on numbers. Now, I'm scratching my head as I'm going through numbers going, hang on, we just spent three three episodes on Leviticus and we're only spending two episodes on numbers. Look, that's sometimes the way that the Thrive Daily Reading Guide falls, all right? Just have to bear with us on this one. We've got a lot to cover on this week's episode. Also want to share with you a special event that's happening on March the 26th. We're going to tell you more about that, a chance for you to get involved live with an episode of Thrive Depot. All right, so let's get into it. Break open that Bible, crack it open right at the front there into the book of Numbers as Matthew and I jump in on this week's edition of Thrive Depot. Matthew, uh, I've got I've got an issue here um, because we've just finished a three-part, uh, you know, series on Leviticus mm. and a lot of listeners are going look I was happy with half a part you know yeah. <laughs> half an episode on Leviticus we dedicated three whole episodes mm. on the book of Leviticus looking ahead in our schedule here today is part one on the book of Numbers yeah. we've only got one more episode for the book of Numbers yeah. and then we move on yeah I'm I'm fine with that because I like I like uh, bird's eye view of books. I think is a great way to do it. Actually, I'll, I'll make everybody. I'll let everybody think about this. We've done, we've done two parts on the book of Leviticus. Th- sorry, three parts on the book of Leviticus. We've got two now on the book of Numbers, and then after that, we've got another two on the book of Deuteronomy, and then we go mm. into the into the New Testament, back into the New Testament. Yeah. So we've got another four episodes dedicated here yeah. to the Israelites in the wilderness and yeah. Moses and stuff. So bear yeah. with us as we go through it now. I personally, mm. and I know I'm a broken record. Yeah, I love the Book of Numbers. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we've come across a book yet. I haven't. Haven't loved, but the Book of Numbers has got some of the. You've got like sixty six favorite, sixty six favorite Bible books. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I know. I know. It's a bit. It's a bit. A uh, bit of a cliche. But the Book of Numbers has got so many mm. exciting stories so many foundational stories yeah there are yeah that like have repercussions throughout the rest of the yeah, bible yeah they do yeah it's a pity about the boring name uh <laughs> but uh you what know is, numbers isn't the book isn't yeah. the book called something different in hebrew uh so the book of numbers is called something different yeah, in yeah hebrew? it is yeah it's um it actually is related to the desert yeah. in in the desert in the wilderness. Oh, so that that you know, if it was called in the wilderness, how cool that, is that? I know that would be a better name, but it's you know in in English it's referred to as the Book of Numbers because it begins with the census and it ends uh, with, ends an, with another census. Yeah, and so uh, you know, and so that's where it gets that oh, name from. So boring, but it is it is um, the story of Israel's wandering. In the desert, yeah. you know, Israel from pretty much from Mount Sinai, uh, and and their, their journey to the edge of the Promised Land, and then the wandering in the desert. So it covers this covers a forty year period. This yeah. book, um, and, and it's easy to lose track of that forty years because it's sort of you know you just read it as a narrative yeah. as it's going, and it and it moves along as a, at a brisk pace. This yeah. book, 
and then all of a sudden you're like, hang on, it's 40 years later? You don't yeah. really realise that as yeah, you read it. Yeah, it goes quickly. And the other complex thing about this book is that it's th- the structure isn't as clear. Like it has um, narrative sections that are broken up with sections on laws and, yeah. and instructions. And you think, well, h- how does that – it seems to be a little random mm. um, the way that it's organised. Now, I think – um, there is some sense to that organisation, but you know, we, we just as we go through, we'll try to um, bring a little bit of sense to that. But um, yeah, it does. It covers a, a large period of time, uh, and a period big- of time is very formative. It's very important. It's often referred back to, you know, in the Psalms and the New Testament refers back to this period of forty years in the desert. Look, very I, important time. I, I was reading. I was reading this morning. I was in First Corinthians chapter ten, and the Apostle Paul starts off chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians and says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers yep. and sisters, what happened to our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Yep. God guided them by sending a cloud. It moved up, and you know, He goes on, followers of Moses, and he talks talks about all the events that happened in the book of Numbers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you know, if you think, oh, no, more Old Testament stuff, hang on. Paul said that this was really important to know yeah. because we could base a lot of the lessons yeah. of our faith in Christ, yeah. on, on what yeah. God taught us through Yeah, these massive things. lessons coming out of the book of Numbers. So yeah. it, it really is not one you want to skip, no. this one. You're going to have problems understanding the rest of the Bible if you do not uh, really get a good grasp of the book of Numbers and the story that's now, contained there. I, I haven't done this for a while, but uh, I had some time early this morning. I got, got up early this morning, and I did what my old Bible college professors used to make me do back in Bible college, and write your own um, outline yeah. Yeah. on a book. Sit yeah. down and write your own outline on a book and try yeah. to to find a pattern of the book here. And there's lots of great outlines out there. Uh, once I finish this and gets Matt, Matt's tick of approval, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes and you can download my little, uh, you know, my little outline here. But basically, like, like most outlines say, there's five sections to the book of Numbers. Mm. Three of them is, you know, then camped in different wilderness areas. Yeah, yeah. And two, joining those three yeah. is them traveling to them. So we yeah. start off at Mount Sinai. Then they travel, then they go to Paran, otherwise known as uh, Kadesh Barnea, and then they travel again. And then they end up, uh, you know, at, at Moab. Yeah, and right. some crazy and stuff happens Moab, there. Yeah, yeah the plains right. of Moab. Some crazy stuff happens there. So they're the basic five sections as far as the movement of the yep. book, and all of that covers a forty-year span. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So the first, the first four chapters are often uh, the sort of material that someone in reading this book would skip over and yeah, 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 whatever, and, and it doesn't seem very relevant. In fact, there's something here that is very, very relevant uh, because um, it's a very important aspect of the book of Leviticus, the holiness code yes. uh, in, in the, book of, uh, the book of Leviticus. So one of the key things um, that we pointed out, just as a reminder in the book of Leviticus, was this, this axis. Um, book of Leviticus works with a, what, what I've called a vertical axis. Now, um, it's an axis and a dimension of life that in modern secular society we've largely lost. So mm. a lot of the ideas are unintelligible, actually, mm. to most uh, sort of modern people. This idea of holiness and unholiness, sacred and profane, this is something that's pointed out by um, you know, scholars of religion you know, uh, like Machea Eliade, and, and I um, referred to the psycho- psychologist um, Jonathan Haidt, uh, some of his research – um, into human well-being and, and particularly the religious aspects uh, of that, yeah. um, and his discovery around this whole dimension of experience that is kind of missing from 
modern people, but mm. which we appear to be really wired for, uh, in a sense. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's tied. And as we said in the book of Leviticus, you've got the holiness and and. You know, you've got the world of holy, you've got the world of like the profane or where, you know, the the unholy, but then that's also tied into another access, like you've mentioned, the pure or the clean and the unclean. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of still up that, the the clean and the unclean is still on that, on that vertical axis. The horizontal axis I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, is the the sort of mundane axis? You know, this is useful or useless. This is good, bad. This yes. is uh, pleasure, uh, pleasant, unpleasant. That's yes. the vertical axis. And the thing is, um, as uh, uh, these scholars are pointing out, and and I think this is something that also the philosopher Charles Taylor, in his analysis of our secular age, it's the book uh, "Our Secular Age" is the title of his book. Very important book, actually, in yep. uh, in philosophy. He. Um, you know, they they recognise that we live this sort of one-dimensional existence. You know, it's like we're, we're, we live on this horizontal plane, and we we we're lacking this other whole dimension uh, where it's like nothing's sacred anymore. And yet, and yet, that we we have such a strong intuition mm. for this for this whole you know sacred, profane, holy, unclean, unclean. Mm. It's it's very much part of our psyche. Um, so. Uh, what Leviticus is doing is actually um, wanting to um, cultivate that sensibility even more to make people that whole axis of human experience to actually cultivate that even more, mm-hmm. so that uh, people become more 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 sensitive to the issue of clean and unclean, mm-hmm. holy and unholy, mm-hmm. um, and and because see often often we. Um, we get rid of that vertical axis. We we lose any sense of the holy because, or we lose any sense of the sacred because we don't want to feel that we're unholy. So you know we, we don't want to feel like we're down. So we get rid of it and up. Yeah. You know, and so we lose the whole axis it, and end up with that flat horizontal it, it, it's plane. It's like it's like the petulant evil child wanting to tear down the toys for everybody because they can't yeah. have the toys for themselves. A little bit like that, yeah. Yeah, so, it's like, I'm, I'm going to ruin it for everybody yeah. and myself because, you know, I, I don't want you to have it. Yeah, you that's know, right. Thing. So we've got this modern age that we live in that wants to tear down any thought yeah. that there can be a pure or a yeah. holy or something sacred because yeah. they, they want to live in the in the muck and the mire of their own sin and say that that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And so um, – you know, so much of Leviticus is only intelligible, really, if you understand what's being done. And mm. what's being done is that this sensitivity, uh, this spiritual sensitivity to the holy, to the sacred, is being cultivated. Right. Mm. So, this is we already see this in uh, the book of Exodus when God appeared on the mountain and God said to the people, "If you even touch the mountain, you'll die." Mm. It's it's them recognizing this dividing line mm. and God and, and God is not doing this because he wants to push them away uh, he's actually doing it because he, he wants to solve a problem but they have to understand that there is a problem that there is a separation that they have become unholy and he is holy mm. and in order for them to be as Jonathan Haidt uses the uh, idea of elevation and so I'll use that in order to elevate them to a place of holiness, because remember, you know, the, the great imperative of Leviticus is be holy as I am holy. Mm. So God wants to elevate them uh, into that place of being holy, into his presence, to dwell with his people, but they need to re- recognize that they're at the bottom of that axis. Mm. And so 
a sensitivity to that, sensitivity to unholiness, is going to allow them to ascend uh, to that place of holiness. And, and you, 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 you touched on it, but you flew past it. And I just want to, I want to hammer this home a little bit. The reasoning behind it was sometimes in our modern way of thinking, we read the book of Leviticus and we think, man, God is a killjoy, isn't he? He just is yeah. hammering rules and it's yeah. all about I'm holy, you're not, blah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Blah, and it's like, no, 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 no. This is the the cry of a of a father yeah. who is saying, I'm desperate for my children to be with me. Yeah. This is how you get with me. This That's is, right. Yeah. This is there's a divide between us that we yeah. can't cross. Yeah. I can't come over. You can't come over. Here's a guide. Here's the here's the map. Yeah. This is the way. Yeah. This and is the way right, through. Yeah. And you can come to me. That's right. So there's together. a journey to go on, and yeah. and in order to go on the journey, you need to understand your starting point, yeah. and you need to understand the destination. Exactly. Okay. So there's uh, otherwise you just don't get there. So that's that's the point. Now, hang on. We, we've just, all spent, that, all, yeah, we've just spent all that time. I know. On the book now, of all of that all of that relates now, <laughs> and that flows right into numbers. Because remember, these books flow one into yes. the other. So you have to get that right. Yes. So straight away in the first f- four uh, chapters, chapters of Numbers. You get this organization of the camps, right? The people, there's a census, okay, because the people are being organized, okay? And and you get this formation, what you have, and I want you to picture this, in the middle, um, and I've actually got a graphic that we can, you we'll know, we in. can put up. Um, in the middle, you've got the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is the place where God God dwells and, mm. and you know, that represents the presence of God. That's And that's the ending of Leviticus. We see that God is dwelling in the middle of the people. That's right. Moses and Aaron are able to go in, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's all good. Yeah. Like, this is right. God is God is there. It's all worked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the the camps are organized on on e- on either of the four sides of the tabernacle so uh north south east west okay mm-hmm. so you've got a block uh to the north block to the south you know so imagine like a cross formation mm-hmm. like around and the tabernacle is in the middle okay mm-hmm. so this is god the, the symbolism here is god is dwelling in the midst of his people but very important what you have is that uh in in between Right around in the immediate vicinity of the tabernacle are the Levites. Yeah. The Levite tribe are on either side. So they are the buffer mm. between whatever tribes are, are to the, you know, yes. to the northeast, yes. southwest. Yep. N- yeah, you know, uh, the, the Levites form a kind of buffer. They're yep. all the way around. Mm. So straight away with the encampment, you get this sense that God has created a, a kind of a buffer. But we, what we need to remember is that the Levites aren't there. They're not just keeping people out. They are the ones that – they're the bridge builders, right? They're the mediators. Yeah, they're the mediators, right? Mm. So they are they are this mediate. – they're in this mediating role to actually open the way uh, to God, mm. you know. So, um, so in a sense, you could see the, the Levites in that – Instance are like a kind of a bridge. Yeah, they're a buffer yes. because they they recognize this is the holy presence of God. Yeah, so only the Levites are to pack up and to, you know, do all these to, jobs. Yeah, that's the first four chapters: the numbering, the clans of the Levites, different sections of yeah. the clan, and know, what they're to do. Yeah, this clan of the Levites here, the descendants of this mo- this guy. Yeah, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of yeah. this over there. You're in charge of that over there. Yeah. Um, and we even get God's reasoning. I love this. There's part in chapter three where God says, "Listen, all of the firstborn yeah. is mine." Yeah. But instead of me taxing it amongst everyone, I'll yeah. just take all the Levites. That's right. And they're almost like 
not as I don't want to say like an offering. Yeah, that's you know, right. That, yeah, they are they, absolutely. They yeah. are an entire offering instead of God. You know, doing it amongst other people. Let me just have the Levites. I will deal with them directly. It's a high standard for these Levites, and we see this in the Book yeah. of Numbers. There's a high calling, yeah. a holy standard, a serious standard, but there's an immense blessing for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and that's significant because there's a symbolism about the Levites as well, like mm. the. The Levites actually represent, because remember God had said to his people in Exodus 19, you know, follow my commands, do all of these things, then you will be for me uh, a holy Holy nation and a kingdom of priests, right? So holy nation set apart to be a kingdom of priests. So in other words, God's plan was at some point in his unfolding plan of salvation, he is going to make all of his people into priests of God, mediators of blessing, okay? Now, that was going to happen in the New Covenant period. And in a sense, the beginning point for that is in Acts chapter 2, Amen. when the Holy Spirit comes upon everyone. Mm. Uh, uh, and so what the, the Levites, in a sense, are a symbol of what God wanted one day for all of his people. Not, and that one day... Is now exactly that's right. (laughs) That's what I've been dying for you to say. So so this is good stuff, Matt. This is really good stuff. I want you to. I want you to really, dear listener, please get this. The reason why it's really important to really um, put your mind and your imagination and your resources, you're reading these books into the into the mind of the Levite priests, into Aaron and Moses and the Levites here, is because. Where where now? We are the Levites. We are the yeah, Levites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we are the you know God's. That's plan. right. Christians are basically Levites. So when you read Numbers you. and you read yes. this about, they are the ones that have this direct connection Amen. with with the tabernacle, with the presence of God. It's it's the you know the priests who are from the Levites, and they that you take it in turns to be, uh, um, you know, to do your priestly duties if you're you know, and and there are particular clan. I mean, even within the Levites, there are, there are particular families yes. that. Because, you know, not, there's a lot of people, so not everyone. But even th- those priests are symbolic of what is ultimately true for us. Yeah. So, you, you know, so they are the ones who are um, that buffer between the holiness of God. They're mediating the blessing. This is this is Christian mission. This is what, yes. this is who we are. You know, th- they are the ones of whom God says they will be my, they are an offering to me. Their yeah. lives are an offering to me. Hey, that's what it means to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. And Paul brings us out now, uh, uh, really just a point of clarification in case anybody hears us wrong. We are not saying that the Christian Gentile church made up of Jews, Gentiles, you yeah, know, the entire yeah. world, we have not taken the place of the Jewish people. No. We're not, you know, we don't believe that theologically yeah. is correct. The Jews, uh, you know, God bless the Jews. God is still dealing with the Jews as a separate people group. Yeah. He will in the future. Ultimately, mm. we believe he has in the past. He is right now. But now is this age of the church yeah. made up of Jew and Gentile together. And that's what we're talking yeah, about. That's right. These yeah. these beautiful stories um, and true hist- you know historical records that we have of the Israelites of the Old Testament is made for us, you know, a- a- as the church to learn yeah. what it is that God wants. You yeah, know, wants that's for right. Us so I, you know, when I when I read these chapters and I'm imagining the formation, the positioning of the, you know, of the Levites around and the things like as you say that God says about them and they will be mine. They are an offering to me. Even thinking about the 
the most common of the offerings, which was the burnt offering, mm. which actually represented the individual. You know, the burnt offering, the animal represents the individual being wholly given over to God yeah. and being transformed, uh, you know, as a pro- in the process. So this is such a beautiful picture, mm. uh, I think, uh, that flows right out of Book of Leviticus uh, about the position, really our position. Yeah. And, and this is, you know... This is why reading these books is so important because mm-hmm. we're learning about ourselves. This yeah. is this is the charter for what it means to be a oh. Christian, written thousands of years before totally the, the, the time. It's it's, it's amazing. So yeah. so in our basic outline, in that first ten chapters of Numbers, they're still at Mount Sinai. The first four chapters deals with the Levites, their clans, their duties, uh, God's reasoning behind what He's doing with them all, and then we have. Um, and I'm just going to fly past you, Matt. You you say stop. Well, with, let me let me just yeah? say something about chapter five because it flows uh, straight out of what I was I about. Just to, said. I was about yeah. to mention that. Yeah. So, what happens in chapter five is that there is this purification of the camp, right? Yeah. It, it from uh, in, in a in a couple of different senses. So, first of all, uh, all of the all of those who are ceremonially unclean. So, again, remember this is meant to ingrain something. Yes. So, those with you know skin diseases and and uh, issues of bleeding, anything to do with bleeding, or and mm. remember, it wasn't so much these things that made that made them literally unclean, but these are the things that that were reminders to them that we're all unclean. You know, Amen. It's, yes. so so th- this was to be enacted in the life of, mm. of the community, continually enacted. So if you had one of these, you go to the outside of the camp. So there's that sense, remember, think of the camp now, you're yes. encamped around that. So you are the furthest away yeah. from the tabernacle. Yeah. You are outside. And then you, you then need to take that journey back in towards the, you know, and, and you go through certain purification rituals and then you, you're purified after a time, okay? So th- there's th- there's always ways of being purified. Yes. So now, um, so that's, so, so there's that, okay? So all of the, um, the purification of the camps, so all of those, you know, uh, and you can imagine this is having an impact, right? And that would have been many people with mm. skin disease and all these things are uh, now on the outer, yeah. outer of the camp. There's a weekly mm-hmm. movement of people going out. Yeah, that's right. And God's camp, not, you know, it's not that God's shutting them out, no. but they, they are being reminded of their unholiness in order that yes. they can be cleansed yeah. and, and come in. So in a sense, it's actually in, in a, in one sense, and we see this during the life of Jesus, enacted very much. It's those who were on the outer, who were the unclean, that were the closest, mm. because you know they were most conscious of their need for salvation, and mm. so they were the ones that really benefited from what Jesus was bringing first. So that's yep. uh, you know important perspective. So, and then the other thing that happens in chapter five is that um, they're dealing with uh, issues needing restitution. Yeah. Uh, so there's yeah. so in my in my summary here. Let so, me tell. So this is another contaminating element in the camp. Like if you, it's like Jesus says, if you have a problem with your brother, yeah. uh, and you're bringing something to the altar, uh, hang on, whoops, just stop there. Yes, go and sort it out. In the same way as you know the the the, the need for purification, there was this for the you know ceremonially unclean. Yeah. there was a need for get that right and then come. So right here we see. A very important principle that can be so easily lost in these yeah. rules is that God is saying, I want you externally on the outside yeah. clean. You know, there's yeah. there's superficial things, external day-to-day things in, in acting. 
you walk into your house and grandfather you walk back into your tent and grandfather's died on on the on the yeah. couch there well, well everything's unclean and you've got to yeah, deal yeah. with all of that right but then there's an internal cleanliness yeah, that I'm right. asking yeah, for yeah, you as well. Yeah. So it's like in chapter five, we see that God has really got this desire for external and internal dealing with the heart is a big part of what yeah. He's wanting wanting to yeah, deal with. Yeah, that's right. Him. You know, and so so if there's if there's if there are relational problems in in the camp, you need to deal with that. Now that flows right on to what is a very strange to our modern sensibilities, a very strange uh, section on on. Uh, the Nazarite vow. Uh, uh, no, actually, the um, dealing with suspicions of adultery. Oh yes. Now, can, yes, you, yes and yes, if yes. you can imagine, because it's talking in the context of relational issues, yeah. you know, if you if you need to make restitution or whatever, we, it's it's dealing with something that look in a big community would have been rife. Closely knit community could yes. well have been rife, and that mm. was suspicions around. Adultery. You can imagine how divisive that could have been, and yes. you're in a nomadic society. You're all living in each other's pockets, mm. and there are suspicions of of, of adultery. Um, and and so, what what this this is disturbing for modern readers because it's it it is basically a trial by ordeal, mm. uh, and it's the 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 um, instruction is if you think that your wife has uh, committed adultery, then um, uh, you know bring her to the into the I, I'll just do crude. So I'm bringing it to the, uh, judges. the, the to the well, judges. Take some dust from the temple floor. Yeah. Put it in some water. Put it in some water. Yeah. If she drinks it, if her stomach turns sour, she's guilty. Wow. Now to modern again to modern sensibility because we think first of all we think hang on what about the guys? Mm-hmm. There's no trial by, by trial by ordeal for the guys, mm. um, and this just seems so primitive and, and ridiculous. Now, but this is the genius of this. This is actually protecting those women uh, because exactly okay because trials by ordeal, and this is why it's not needed for the men mm. because trials by ordeal were the co- were absolutely commonplace in the mm. in the. It, this mm. was what expected. They had come out of uh, my my wife is committed adultery in Egypt there were there were ways of dealing with this mm. you know trials by ordeal mm. uh, you know so so God's needing to do something that in a way speaks their language and and you know uh, uh, it's not again it's not that this is the sort of thing we should just we can't just transport this into now mm. uh, because uh, God is providing something that is kind of um, a- allows for uh, something there's an element of familiarity to this, mm. okay? But it is because other trials by ordeal in the ancient world were a little bit like your witch trials. You know, we're going to tie rocks and yeah. throw her in the river, yeah. and and if she doesn't float, well, she's yes. a, what's like, well, that's rigged. She's yeah, not yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, and that's important. This isn't rigged. A, this isn't rigged. Yeah. B, it protects the purity and the reputation of the woman. Yeah. All the way through is. is yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's hard for us if we get past the actual awfulness of this trial, yeah. we go, what's the alternative? Taking judgment, and it, it, it does two things. It doesn't let the, it doesn't let a husband take judgment into his own hands yeah. and let me deal with my wife however yeah. I want to. Yeah. It also shows the seriousness of marital relations in, you yeah, know, it, in, in this new civilization. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it does that. But I think it's really important to underscore this fact that that if you know, okay, so if if a husband thinks that his wife has committed adultery, rather than just go to 
revert to okay, I'm going to chuck her in the fire, and yep. if she's you yep. know if she survives, then she was innocent. Or I'm, are we going to gather the family and we're going to stone her? Because, yeah, or, yeah, like you know, yeah. So so it's actually so the, the thing of taking dust from that you know you make a vow before that yes I'm I'm innocent. Then you you take you know sprinkle some dust in some water and you drink it. Now I mean look, it it would it's very unlikely. Barring a miracle that that would do any harm to uh, to the woman, so in a I, sense, if if you if your stomach did turn, turn sour, it would actually be the result of a direct intervention of God. That's an Im- incredibly yeah, important point. That's right. So in a sense, you would only it it would only be because you lied, mm. you lied in the temple courts. You actually mm. lied in the presence of God under oath, mm. uh, and then you would drink. You know. And so the idea of the dust from the temple floor mm. is this idea you are making this. this You're standing on yeah, the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. In the presence of the holiness of God, mm. can you say that you are innocent? Mm. If if they said yes, I'm innocent, mm. and if they drank the dust from the temple floor, actually, and it would mean by divine intervention, if they were guilty, it would take divine intervention for that to actually happen. So it is. It actually is a trial that that was protecting. Um, the innocent, yeah, ultimately. So, and okay, so that's that's in the. I know that's a little complex, but that mm. was. Um, it's a classic example of where it just annoys me so much when skeptics come to the Bible. They dip into these places with no understanding mm. of what's going to ah. This primitive, mm. horrible, primitive stuff—you mm. know, it, ridiculous to believe. If you Christians believe all the Bible, then how come you're not doing that? I don't see that happening in your churches today. And it's like, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this right. is not the same thing. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's yeah. listen. We're, we're we're spending too long at the beginning here, Matt. Yeah, we we fly into we chapter this now, yeah. in chapter six, the Nazarite vow. Yeah, well, this is this again is a um, around this holiness idea. Is okay. So we've heard about the Levites. Okay, so the Levites are dedicated mm. to God. God mm. said they will be mine. Well, what about other people? Is is there an option for other people? It's like you know. Well, could I become a Levite? You know, if I'm of the tribe of Dan, mm. could I say actually I feel a real calling to devote myself to God? Mm. Is there an option for? Well, no, you can't become a Levite, but you can become a Nazarite. Yeah. So this is an option for people who want to take a kind of monastic sort of vow, mm. uh, or, or 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 a vow of dedication. It's not actually monastic because they're not separating yeah. themselves from people, yeah. uh, but but a vow of dedication. And, and it's interesting. For that. Take again. It's full of you know some pretty boring, dry rules, yeah. but just take a mental note because the Nazarite vow will pop up again a few times yeah. throughout the Word of God. That yeah. little the little idea of the Nazarite comes comes back a few times. Yeah, so and, John the Baptist, for example, is yeah. is you know is most probably under this kind of Nazarite, mm. you know, a vow. We we you know, and we it, that's right, it does come up. We uh, we get at the end of chapter six the uh, you know the, the a very core refrain you know for Israel the blessing. That is given yeah. over, you know, Israel at yeah. the end of chapter six. Yeah, well, this is a structural thing actually in in the book of Numbers. Is there are these climactic points uh, here, and and um, there's there's a climactic point at the end of chapter six. So this is the priestly blessing, declare mm. this blessing, and it's almost like God saying, if you get like get this sorted, and this makes way for this kind of blessing. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like, Get all of this sorted, and then the blessing comes. Yes. Okay. If you order things in my way, mm. um, the blessing uh, will, will. And so that's expressed at the end of chapter six. Then the end of chapter seven, you have, and we'll talk about chapter seven briefly. But you have this moment where the Lord speaks to Moses, this direct address, and you think, 
oh, that's interesting comment. But again, it's a response to what's happened in chapter seven. Mm. Uh, end of chapter nine, you have this section about the cloud over the tabernacle, and that is, mm. you know, really a climactic point coming after the um, the Levites being offered to God yes. uh, and the Passover celebration. Yes. And you get this bit about the cloud leading them. So you get this interaction between God saying, you do this. Yep. Uh, and then he shows you how it works. Yeah, and, and then the and then we see these moments of profound blessing and connection with God mm, mm. as the sort of climaxes to these to these moments. Now, as we read this one little point at the you know the blessing at the end of chapter six, the, the you know the the priestly blessing, the Israelite blessing that became yeah. a mantra over the Israelites and a prayer that they 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 would yeah. uh, commit their life to. Um, As we read that, I feel like we are supposed to hear the echoes of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob in in that blessing. And and we're remembering… Yeah, you know what God's purpose yeah, for that's these right. people are, are, is. That's for. right, because so it's really it's declaring over them that promise. Mm. You know, God said, you know, uh, you know, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Mm. Okay, so um, uh, I'll make you into a great nation. They're a great nation, and mm. I will bless you. Right, this is declaring this blessing. Mm. Uh, I will make your name great, or give you a great role amongst the nations. That's the kind of Levite thing. Okay. And you will be a blessing. So the Levites here are the ones declaring this blessing. So it's mm. it's a mediated blessing because, of course, it's it's uh, a, uh, illustrating the capacity or the authority to bless mm. as mediators of God that in the new covenant period, which is now that we all have. Now let's tie it back to the point that we made before. Figuratively, yeah, and and spiritually. Where where the Levites? That's right. Yeah, the Christians are the Levites. Yeah, that's right. So this declaring blessing and claiming the promises that Abraham and yeah. Isaac and Jacob stood in, and Moses has been given, and the Israelites have been given. Very purposely, we can stand in that blessing that's as right. well yeah. and say we are the fulfillment of this. Yeah, that's right. And in I mean, in the New Testament, really, the the preaching of the gospel was actually this. Yeah. This may the Lord, ble- you know, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In a sense, when, when we see the apostles go out, this is the message of yeah. the gospel that they're taking is that the Lord has blessed us. And it's been with, fulfilled in Jesus right. Christ. You know, yeah. The Lord has made his face shine favorably. We have the favor of God. We, mm. You Gentiles, everyone, we have yeah. the favor of God now because of what he's done. He, there is grace for us in mm. Jesus' name. The Lord turn his face. Well, he has. Mm. The Lord has come to us in Jesus Christ uh, and, and he has given us peace. You know, yeah. So so the, the proclamation of, of the gospel and, and our, you know, us humbly bearing witness and sharing the good news of Jesus with is essentially fulfilling this role, this Levite role mm. of sharing the blessing, mediating that blessing. Oh, we could we could yeah. spend a long time just on that. All right, let's take a quick break. We've got something really important we want to tell you. We want you to circle a day on the calendar and get involved with this. We're just getting started here in the Book of Numbers, so bear with us. We'll be back in just a moment here on Thrive Deeper.
DJ here interrupting the middle of this podcast on numbers, but it's not just me this time. I've dragged Madden here to the middle break. You have. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, you just just follow my lead, Matt. Okay, I'm, I'm telling everybody the reason why I've brought you in here is because on Friday, the 26th of March, we don't have an exact time yet. We're going to release that. We're asking all of our new Thrive supporters, those who are part of the Thrive supporters group, to jump on Facebook, and we're going to be doing a live video question and answer mm. time. Yeah, good. Sounds great. It sounds great. Okay. So is there... um, I love the challenge of live questions coming through. Like, let's let's see what we can do with this. Are you putting everything on the table? Everything's on the table. Ask anything. You've got a question about anything. This is your chance. If you've ever wanted to ask Matt a question, it's really simple. All you need to do is make sure you're part of the Thrive Supporters Group. And the way that you do that is by heading over to thrivetoday.tv and becoming a financial supporter. Um, we're not really, you know, Matt, we're not really good at asking for money, you know, no, these I'm days. Terrible at it. You're, you're, ter- you're terrible <laughs> at even, it. We I don't even go there. I know, you don't even want to go there. I, I We all feel a bit embarrassed about it. But the point is, is this actually costs money to put out there. The Thrive podcast that we do, Thrive Deeper, Thrive Perspectives, the Thrive website, uh, the Thrive books that are published, it all costs money. Mm. You know, wish we could just do it for free and, and everything would be fine. But you know what? This is an amazing chance for you to to step in and partner with us. And for as little as $5 a month, uh, you can do that, you know, as a monthly subscription. You can do that as a, you know, a one-off hit, whatever you want to do. We add you into the Thrive group uh, on Facebook. And coming up in the next few months, kicking off at the end of this month, I'm going to be dragging Matthew onto uh, Facebook and we're going to be doing some stuff together. Matt, I know how much you love Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Look, but we're going to make it work. Okay, gonna... can people put questions in beforehand yeah. in that group yeah, in people, case you... they can't get there live? Exactly. Yeah. You can put questions in beforehand and then you can watch a video. Great point, yeah. Matt. You can add questions in. We're going to be, you know, this is all new. We we really want to give our financial supporters a way to interact, interact with Matt and I in a, in a whole new way. So we're changing things up with what we're doing on Facebook. So uh, Friday, the 26th of March, become a financial supporter by then. And we're going to make sure you're in the group for this live Q&A and uh, ask Matthew Matthew some curly questions. Love it. (laughs) Let's get back into the book of numbers here and Thrive Deeper. Deeper, episode 117. We are just starting our journey through the book of Numbers. Matt, we're hovering around about chapter seven or so. Mm. We've got to shift it up a couple of gears here, Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Chapter seven uh, is significant because it's the response of the people. Mm. Now, we've just had the priestly blessing declared over God's people. And and then you get a response. I like I love this. Then yeah. you get this response of them bringing offerings, their offerings, material offerings to yeah. the tabernacle. Yeah, uh, you know, um, to uh, for, 
to basically be used as materials, you know, for, for the for the tabernacle and, and also the maintenance th- of the tabernacle. And thankfulness so forth. to God, yeah, but also showing us. <laughs> I think this is a really good pattern that when a community is healthy and well, and God is working in the community, the community want to support. Yeah, the priests and the mediators yeah. that are working for them. Yeah, that's right. And there's yeah. a sense of like the priests and the mediators and Moses going, oh, hang on, that's guys. Right. Yeah, this this is too much stuff. Yeah, and God going, no, 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 hang it out. It's like, this wonderful gesture of worship. Them yeah. bringing, you know, it's it's like God has blessed. Them. So they're not they're not doing it to get the blessing. No, God has blessed them, yeah. and they are responding by bringing all of these offerings. Beautiful. And then that that goes, you know, and then that's where you get at the end of chapter seven. This this moment where the Lord speaks to Moses face to face. It's a beautiful. It's, it's, a like, it's like Moses in writing the story goes, like one of his, you know, his scribes or something is saying, hey, how did that actually work? And he goes, oh, yeah, good point. I better put that in there yeah. at the end of this chapter. When God spoke to me, you know, I was in the in the thing, and from between the cherubim, yeah. the voice came out, and I knew it was, you know, like, it's this bizarre little narrative moment, the narrative peeking into the story to tell us how it's actually working. Oh, it's great. You know, it says, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak to the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement. You know, in this way, the Lord spoke to him. This is... I, I, this is what I think people this we, we are in the midst of revival here this is mm. spiritual revival like they are experiencing the presence of God mm. you know the glory of God has come God is speaking to them and that's what they're responding to right God mm. has blessed them they're bringing these offerings uh, to him uh it, it's it's really this is a, an amazing an amazing moment well not to not to cast a shadow, but there is a shadow looming. There's yeah, there a dark is, cloud on the horizon. There is a shadow looming. But, now, in, in, as an extension to the bringing of offerings, of course, is that the Levites are then offered to God. Yes. So they're not only it's not only bring people bringing things, but the Levites then are offering themselves. Yeah, they're consecrated. They're cleansed, consecrated. And given to God. Right. Um, and then that climaxes with the celebration of the Passover. Yeah. Okay, so this is the second great celebration of the Passover. So you end up with this this great sort of worship celebration. It's a really, it's it's this classic kind of revival kind yeah. of thing that's happening here. You know, they're celebrating the Passover together, and then you get the climactic point of that is this bit about the cloud yeah. that guides them. You know, God is guiding them, and it's such a powerful picture yes. of the cl- pillar of cloud and fire. I mean, imagine mm. this. Mm. You know, and then when the cloud moved, they moved. Yes, and this is how they're. And I, lo- I, lo- and this I is love how they're operating. And I love the fact that in this writing style, we have, you know, this exciting, you know, as it happened writing style. But that at certain points, Moses and the scribes will come in and say. They're looking at it from a historical advantage point as well. Like yeah. years and years and years later, yeah. they're saying, you know, this is how it always worked. It, it worked like this, whether it was a week, a day, a month. You know, they're giving yeah, us all right. these different yeah. things, so we can sort of see it from two, you know, time advantage points. Yeah. And then, and then we get this. Uh, then, you, as you're thinking through this, going, okay, you've got all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the encampments. God starts moving a cloud, a fire. Okay, how does this work? Okay. We got a communication system. Make some silver trumpets, yeah. <laughs> and we've got this whole. Yeah, yeah, like, they don't right. have yeah. mobile phones to going off telling yeah, yeah. them. No, we've got this whole system of blasts on, a mo- yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. these trumpets to let the pe- to let the all yeah, these. They need zone- to be. They need to be mobile. Um, uh, and 
That's right. And then, but the, the key thing here is this beautiful picture of them res- constantly responding to God. Mm. So the cloud moves, the trumpets blow. Yeah. We're moving, folks. Yeah, yeah. God's moving. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, well, and it might yeah. be a few days here, might be a week, might be, you know, mm. might be longer. But when the cloud moves, we move. So it says, um, that is how it continued from uh, chapter 9, verse 16. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it. That's the tabernacle. At night, it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. At his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. When the cloud remained, and it goes on and on like this. And it's, I think it's a beautiful picture of life in response to God. See, they are in um, the um, God's immediate proximity. And, and God is their God. And, and there's just, I mean, there's nothing else like this in the ancient areas. So the, the 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 level of the, that this level of intimacy and responsiveness mm-hmm. to what you know to what God is doing and the leading mm-hmm. and the and even this this manifestation mm-hmm. of God in the pillar of cloud and fire. And you've got all of these people moving. So just, we we sorry go. I might just add add a footnote because you yeah. you mentioned and I didn't mention this at the at the beginning with the the numbers. Um, now. Going back to the census, it, it looks, you know, it says that there were 600,000, whatever, you know, men. And um, most, most, because this is hard to picture, because in the total number according to that would be like two, two and a half million or something mm, like mm, that. Mm. Most commentators recognize that there's, there's some, you know, for a number of reasons, even, even in the text itself, um, uh, there's, the the way that the numbering is done, there's something uh, like the, there there are cases where actually it says they were camped between here and here, where it's actually impossible that that many people could yeah. have even fit there. So so most you know evangelical Bible believing commentators are saying there's actually something uh, about the numbers here. So for example, the the word elf, which is translated thousand, can also mean um, like uh, like a garrison or or, or a or a band yes. of fighting men. Well, that's a very important point yeah. because the numbering here is a you know the whole whole point of the book of Numbers going from you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, yeah. Numbers. I, I would love people to think of when they hear the word numbers, the reason why God is getting them to census at the beginning at the end of the book is because of military thinking. Yeah, it's military thinking and so so that's where where they connect the word LF to like a bet not a garrison I said but so, something smaller like yes. it a was troop. it yeah it was like a troop that's yeah. right like and it was it was generally the number of fighting men in a particular clan yes. you know what i mean so you know it might be 20 fighting men from this clan and 20 from that men mm. so when it says there were 600 600 LF mm. uh not so much 600,000 yeah. Uh, necessarily, but six hundred troops. troops, you yeah, know, which yeah. could have, which would not have been a thousand, but probably would have been, um, you know, more like yeah. differing smaller numbers. In, in the end, we get we're we're meant to go. Okay, the <clears throat> number. The point here is not. Uh, I mean, again, there are there are other commentators. I just want to throw this in here. There's commentators, historical commentators, who've taken it at face value and yeah, gone, yeah. no, the number's the number. Yeah. That's it. 
fine, whatever. Yep. This is you know, you know, it's yeah, not gonna yeah. it's not gonna hurt. But the point here, we're not getting the numbers so we know how many people are yeah, in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're getting the numbers here because God is saying, I'm preparing you to become a military because as I take you into the promised land, I've got a job for you to do and you have to be ready to do it. Yeah, that's right. You have yeah. to go through this relationship with me in this cleansing, purity, right relationship with me because I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. Yeah, 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 that's you right. Know? Yeah, and that's, that's what this- right. They are going to be instruments of judgment as a, as a military yeah. m- uh, military force. So when it says, you know, 600,551, 600, it, it, it's probably uh, 600 troops mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the f- the five hundred and fifty one could be like um, so for example it's been uh, if you use the you know um, the this practice in in the ancient Near East and particularly this was um, amongst the Israelites where letters and numbers letters are identified numbers yes. are identified with yes. letters and so it's like you know it's when we like the number of the beast six yes. six six it's often yep. it adds up to a, a name generally yes. Yes. Um, and so. Uh, that number actually it's been pointed out uh, s- when you put letters to the numbers means the sons of Israel yeah so it's like the the complete number of the sons of Israel so exactly. that's how it yeah. kind of uh, works it, yeah. it is interesting there a little sub note anyway yeah that yeah. was a little footnote little footnote uh, we have talked I think we talked about that didn't we when we were in Exodus or yes a long time a long time ago uh, yeah. now we get into the next section here so we've so this has all been the scene at Mount Sinai it ends with you know, the the scene of Mount Sinai ends with the whole idea of a beautiful Passover. They're celebrating this, so they're there for a year. They're talking about how the cloud's going to lead them. They get the instruments, i.e. the silver trumpets, ready yep. for communication yep. for leading them. And then, of course, God starts leading them, leads yeah. them to Perania. Um, and, and that's in the next few chapters, 10, 11, 12. We get the, the as, as they travel to the wilderness of Paran or Kadesh Barnea, yep. um, uh, we get this really interesting story at the beginning that I I, I like these little side points because I love the person of Moses. I'm yeah. such a fan of Moses. Yeah. We get this we get this real human part of Moses where he's here with his brother-in-law. Yeah, he's here with his brother-in-law Ho- Hobab. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and he's and and Hobab's like, oh, you guys are off. See yeah. ya. And Moses like. No, 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 oh, no, no! Please come with us. Yeah, yeah. I need you to come with me. You're really great at knowing these areas, you know, because he comes from a line of shepherds, and you know, and all this stuff. Come with us. Come with us. And Hobab's like, no, this is not for me. See you later. Yeah. And and it's this real human element of, um, you know, we remember that Moses is now tied. You know, through his wife to these people of the yeah, area yeah. and stuff like that. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting spot. Yeah, a father-in-law. Did you uh, or? Well, because yeah, I think it's uh, no. I think, I think there's I, some complexities. There's around some complexities this, yeah. there. I, I I went deep dived on this, yeah, yeah. and most commentators that I found, you would probably you might yeah, have something yeah. different. Is this is saying that it's one of the sons of Ruel? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or yeah. Jethro, same person, Ruel Jethro. Yeah. this is one of the sons. So that would make him a brother. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. That yeah, would brother-in-law. Make, yeah, yeah. That would make Hobab a brother-in-law. Some people would say well, it's a cousin. You know, we don't really exactly know. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry, I've I, I read that. All right. Yep. Got you. Yep. So, um, it's, it, it is an interesting moment, isn't yeah. it? Because it's this zoom in. Yeah. And and I think this is important because it it accounts for the fact that um, this Midianite is is included in the in the number. It's uh, and it's again incorporating this. little asterisks here. We have to remember that the Midianites were relatives 
of Abraham, because I'm yeah, yeah, I'm reading yeah. Genesis as well. Abraham's second wife, yeah. after Sarah died, yeah. he had a son, Midian. Yeah. And then the, so That's right. these are descendants of Abraham yeah. as well, not the promised people, yeah. but descendants and, and friendly to the promised people yeah, that's right. and, yeah. and, and, and communing yeah. there with Moses. That's right. Because who who you know, it's important who is a part of this. Yeah. You know, the who is very important mm. at, at this stage. So that, you know, that's where you get that note. That's great. Uh Chapter eleven uh, is, you know, a, a few, we won't go into the details, but uh, we get this horrible complaint from the Israelites. Well, this is this, see, this is where actually things start going wrong, and I think it's important to, to and and this is what I think this desert period is well known uh, for. Uh, it's this period where God did all this amazing stuff, and. Yes, the people responded well at first, but yeah. things quickly went awry. And again, we we read it, and we and it makes us feel like things are happening like day after, like yeah, one yeah. after the other. No, no, weeks, months, six months. You know, like yeah, months yeah. are going in between these, yeah, these right. chapters yeah. here. So they've been traveling for a while. They've been in this wilderness. They've been going, and then after you know all this hard work, as they're traveling yeah. and taking all these people with them, yeah. they start to complain about the lack of meat. Longing for Egypt again, that you know, yep. uh, and then and then we get this awful, you know, follow-on effect where you know they're all complaining to Moses, and Moses falls down in front of God and is like, oh, and then Moses is complaining <laughs> to God, what are you, what are you asking me to do here, Lord? Yeah. Like, I can't do this. And then God has this great response. All right, you want meat? I'll give you meat. Yeah, you're going to eat so much meat, it's going to come out of your nose. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. Now, now, now we get the you know the struggle of the people to trust and you know oh. to you know and initially it's interesting to note initially that on that first complaint you know now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord and when he heard them his anger was aroused. Uh, uh, this is it's not like God was just close enough or they were close enough to the yeah. tabernacle to yeah. be overheard by God. No. No. The the sense is no God hears everything. Yes. It's just a reminder. God <laughs> hears everything. So you can complain, yeah. uh, but God's on to you. And yeah. and initially the fire comes from the presence of the Lord yeah. and, and they're burnt up and you think, Oh man, this is the thing I think that we struggle with with this. But again, remember, this is establishing something. This is the infancy yes. of the nation. And the one thing that they have to get is that God is holy, right? God you God is encamped in the midst of you. So your whinging mm. is actually uh it's like a um contamination of the mm. of this holy people. But it's also like this trust there's yeah. a massive trust factor yeah. here and faith factor for them. Yeah. That even when they see that they keep complaining. Moses Moses even though his complaint is is quite bitter and sour, he does the right thing and complains to God. He goes directly yeah, to yeah. the source and yeah. says, "Listen, I cannot handle this." And God's like, "Leave it with me." Well, it's yeah, it's, that, that's a good point. And in fact, we, we should make the, the the distinction, I think, between grumbling mm. against God mm. and complaining to God, mm. because complaint to God in the Psalms is, what is put what forward is. as a as a expression of faith. Yeah. So there was always the opportunity as with Moses. Like you can complain, but come and come and talk to me about this. Yeah. Uh, I, I often said, you know, complaint like grumbling is what you do when you're walking away from God. Yes. Complaint is what you do when you uh, <laughs> come to God. I like you know. it. I like so it. So complaint is is absolutely legit, le- legitimate, you know, in in that sense, but this is grumbling, this is them whinging. Uh they're this is the cynics. Ah, oh, this is not work. This is it's a lack of faith. Walking away from God. It's a lack of trust. Yeah. It's turning your back on this. Yeah. I mean, God is establishing a relationship here. 
Yeah. And he's asking them to trust him and to really put their lives in their hands. Yeah. And they're basically saying, no, nah, yeah. no, nah, we yeah, want to. Yeah. And it's, mate, like, uh, yeah. the, you know, I just, I, I just, it's so, this is where we get the big, you know, the cracks are beginning to show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. In, in the generation well, of the Israelites. That's right. Well, in fact, there's a sequence now of, yes. of problems, right, yes. uh, pretty much from this point. So from chapter uh, 11, you, you get the, you know, the grumbling of the people, uh God answers them, sends quail amongst yep. them. So yep. God is faithful here. Yep. Um, but Ch- then, then, then chapter, chapter 12. twelve, yeah, you get uh, you get Aaron and oh. Miriam. This is the inner circle, right? This is uh, this, this is, is cracks in the in the inner circle here. This is Moses, and it's, remember, it's important to point here. Remember here, this is Moses' own siblings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Miriam is the big sister who was in the in the yeah. Nile. <clears throat> Yeah. Making sure the baby Moses was, you know, going yeah, yeah, in that's the right, right space. Yeah. This is Miriam who's a prophetess yeah. who sings before the Lord yeah, and right. leads the people. Yeah. She's seen, and Moses and Aaron and Miriam are seen as the yeah. close to God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're way up there. Now, it's it, there's there's two factors here, and there's been so many different commentaries around what's actually going on. Aaron's the older brother as well. You know, you've got to yeah. remember that. And there's this, you know, Moses there. Moses is getting a lot of lot of attention, but we're given a reason that, and and I'll I'll tell you what I believe. I believe it'd be interesting to see what you're saying. Obviously, um, Zipporah, Moses's first wife, who was a Midianite, at some point. We we don't read about it here. It could be one of the reasons why Hobab, the brother-in-law, yeah, yeah. was there. She's passed away. Yeah. And now Moses takes another another wife yeah. who's a Cushite. Yeah. Now the Cushite is 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 most probably an yeah. Ethiopian. Yeah. Or someone from south of yeah, Egypt. That's what I've understood. Yeah. yeah. Darker skinned person. Yeah. Now is this racism? We don't know. Is it? That's is, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? But is it Miriam and and Aaron complaining? About the attention that their brother has gotten, yeah, and their sort of you, you feel a sense of jealousy, but you also feel a sense of excuse of pointing to this yeah. outsider woman that yeah. Moses has taken into the camp. Yeah, yeah. To, oh, in, in some sense, it's predictable, isn't it? It's yeah. it's human nature. It's at the top. There's this there's this grappling for leadership and power, and and within a powerful family. Yeah, within a powerful family. As, so as well, yeah, you know. That this this is world history, isn't yes. it? The you know the grappling, the power struggles, even between siblings oh. uh, at at you know at the top levels of society. And so and we, you have we, this. Yeah, we know from personal. If you've got a sibling, you know that there's nobody else in the world that you love more and would die a thousand deaths for. But there's nobody else that you can fight with better, you know, yeah, and really like, right. and point out the foibles. So for whatever reason, um, you know. Miriam and Aaron are leading like a sedition against Moses. Yep. God judges Moses, and this is one of the pictures that we have why a lot of commentators over the years have, have taken it to do, there was something to do about the race or the yep. skin colour yep. of Moses' wife is because ju- God judges Miriam with a skin disease, yeah. a leprosy that turns yeah. the skin white, yeah. you know, type of thing. And then it's Moses and Aaron who have to beseech the Lord and say, please yeah. save our sister. Yeah. And God heals her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's an amazing little yeah. story. Uh, it is. It's an amazing little story. And so, and, and, and that comes after the grumbling in the Israelites. You've got that. Then you've got, uh, of course, the story in, in 13 and 14, and, and, and we'll finish with this mm. today. We won't go further than this. But this is the, this is the climax of, it's kind of the climax of all of that because yeah. 
they come to the promised land. Uh, spies are sent in. Go check out the land. Twelve spies, one yeah. from each one, That's one right. from each yeah. tribe. They they go into the land uh, to see, and yes, it's as good as. It was promised, you know. It's even better, guys. It's even better, right? They come back with grapes. They've, they've, you know, it, the, the report is a good report. However, uh, there are in this land these giant people, mili- you know, military people. Mm. Uh, there's how are we? You know, they've got these fortified cities. I mean, again, imagine, you know, when they would have gone in um, f- that. You know, they would have seen, you know, hilly, rocky land um, with fortified cities up on hills, a highly militarized people, yep. uh, well established in the land. Yep. Y- you can hold on to this hope and ideal. Yeah, we're going to go in the land. We're going to take the land until you actually see it yeah. and you see the people, and then the reality of it breaks yeah. through. And they're thinking, you know, these yeah. people are giants. You know, and 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 it's interesting that we get another reference to going back to all the way back to Genesis six. Some of the spies are like. And this is where, you know, it's open to interpretation. They're like, these are the, the descendants of the Nephilim that yeah, we got yeah. back in Genesis 6. They're in this land. These are the yeah. men of legends. That's right. The myths that we've heard. Yeah. They're a crazy, yeah. like, godlike people in here. Yeah. You know, uh, the, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. The, the, the pastures are fantastic. There's livestock everywhere. It's beautiful land, fortified, giants, crazy things. We can't do it. Yeah. Let's go back. That's right. And so and, this this is the ultimate real test of faith. And we've talked about faith and provision in the desert. And, uh, you know, there's these two things. It's like the faith and, and, and obedience that flows out of the faith. And God had told them, you can take this land. You've just, it's, this is a moment for faith and they just can't do it. There's like, no, we, you know, uh, we'd be best going back to Egypt. Yeah. Honestly, this yeah. is impossible. So this is the ultimate faith moment. You know, yeah. will they do it? And the answer is no, they won't. Yeah. Uh, well, not all of them. That's right. We we are introduced to two heroes, yeah. two absolute legends. One we've already met, Joshua, who's going to become a very important yeah. person in the future. Yep, that's right. Young Joshua is Moses's uh, understudy, for yeah. want of a better word. Like his assistant. Yeah. You know, his bag carrier, chisel carry, whatever it was yeah. that Joshua does. And Joshua's been there right at, right at the beginning. I mean, Josh, Moses took Joshua up. Mount Sinai, yeah, you know, yeah. for crying out loud. Joshua's seen a lot of this stuff that's going on and his best mate, Caleb, and there's yeah. Caleb, you know, his best yeah. mate, Caleb, and mate, faith, Yeah, uh, they're belief, saying, no, we can do, we, we like, trust the Lord. They're like, yeah. what, what, you've seen everything that God's done. Yeah. We've seen it all. Yeah. This is a piece of cake. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. And, and the people like, Hate Joshua, like they are so upset with their report. Yeah, they want to get rid of Joshua and Caleb, and Joshua and Caleb, like interceding, trying to calm everybody down. Yeah. It's a crazy scene. That's right, and of course, as a result of this, God says, "Right, if you don't want to go in, then you're going to wander in the desert until you wear out and die, and then you'll go into the land." And it's yeah. in- interesting that it's Joshua and Caleb are the only two of that, that act- generation of that generation that go into the land. And I think there's a I think there's this is preempting something too. I mean, I was thinking about this because there's this there's this rem, this idea of a of this remnant idea yeah. uh, that works throughout scripture. Like God 
kind of pruning his people back to those of real faith. Yes. And we see this, uh, for example, with the pruning back of the 12 tribes, essentially to two mm. um, by the time we get oh, to wow. the end yeah, of uh, yeah, to the end of Kings. You know, you get 12 tribes reduced to the tribe of Gen- Benjamin and Judah. Benjamin gets absorbed into Judah, and so you, that's where we get the Jews from. Mm. So that, that, in a sense, is those that were left after everyone died off because mm. they didn't trust God. And I think this is kind of preempts you have these two guys amongst 12 spies who are willing to trust and they're the only ones out of those representatives that actually move ahead into God's plan in the yeah. same way as there was only two tribes of 12 tribes that were really that moved ahead into uh, God's plan for the future I'm I'm yeah. now I'm now down you've said Do you like down. that? Do you like I, that? I, I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm down the rabbit hole. Caleb is from the tribe of Judah. And Joshua, oh, where is it? Moses renamed Joshua, son of Don Joshua. Yeah, you, who, you, who is you, jo- can, you can go. You can go down that. Uh, I know who is yeah. Joshua. Do we get the clan that Joshua is from? I don't is, know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at that later on. But I, I'm wondering if <laughs> I'm wondering is it is it such a picture that the two tribes that are left? Well, maybe, maybe, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I know. It, yeah, a, uh, uh, we should have looked that up actually. <laughs> Well, we've got Caleb and Judah. I mean, I'll just, I'll yeah, just yeah, leave, yeah. leave that one there. Yeah. Um, look, it's a beautiful picture. And and I, I and if you're if you're new to the Bible and you're reading it through for the first time, and this is the first time you're going through it with with Thrive, it's, it's a it's a wonderful thing. Really, um, underline Joshua and Caleb, like yeah. you like you I want to I want to really put asterisks and gold stars over their name. You are int- being introduced to these two guys because they're important and you're you're being introduced to um what it really means to be a man of faith. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I say yeah. man, a man or a woman of faith, a person of faith in this their attitude and their um yeah. you know, their joyous belief in God. Yeah. You know, yeah. is 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 just absolutely glorious to yeah. to, to to witness. <laughs> yeah, um, Tri- a tribe of a frame. I just looked it up. Ah, uh, yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I, as I said, I, I, that's. I don't think it needs that. I mean, um, uh, but but I think that th- th- there is a significance to that because this is how it's going to work now. Like mm. the whole nation is 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 called. Um, uh, and yet there is this sense that this is whittled down as we get as we go forward in time. You know, God's people. God is constantly, um, you know, whittling things down, and and you know, we get this idea. You know, we get to the story of Gideon. You know, the Gideon has this big army, and, and mm. God says, "No, no, that's too many. I want to whittle it down." And you, he gets down to what is it, uh, three hundred or six hundred yeah. or something, and it's like, well, just. I'll just work with these. It's yeah. like God doesn't need many; He just needs a faithful few. That's all. He and wants. Uh, and so we get this. You know, we get Joshua and Caleb as representing that faithful. You know, that this faithful remnant. So the this other, is yeah. The other yeah. the other aspect for this, Matt, and it's been pointed out in a few different places, and I think the Book of Numbers really testifies to this: is that God's giving us commands, God's giving us, you know, asking of us, you know you know rules regulations however we want to see it in relationship to have a in order to have a relationship with yeah, him, with, yeah, him, with that's him. right but he respects our decision we are totally yeah. free to choose whatever we want yeah and he will honor that decision that decision might come with judgment it might come with yeah. death 
Yeah. It might come with yeah. separation from God, but he will never force us yeah, that's right. yeah. into a relationship with him. That's right. I think that's a great thought to finish on because, honestly, at the end of the day, God does everything. God makes a way. He makes provision. He builds the bridge, gives us access. But at the end of the day, we've been given the right to self-determine yeah. you know, in a very important sense. Okay, So uh, at the end of the day, we have to respond. And it's not and, – and you see this throughout Scripture. It's like God – God provides the way, God provides the blessing. It's like you can step into this, but will you? And and the the key issue, and it's so graphically portrayed here, on the cusp of the promised land, here is the promised land. Who's willing to go in? Mm. Only two. Mm. You know, and and in, and the fact that even their effect, they don't get to go through until that whole generation dies off. You know, so they're held back by the by the majority, mm. and yet they still, you know, that they are still ultimately able to go through. So, um, you know, the the lack of faith of everyone does affect them, yeah. and yet God, yet they experience the promised land. And so So it's important yeah. here if you haven't read before, we just better reiterate exactly what, what happened. Because of the because of the awful rebellion and unfaithfulness of the Israelites with the reports of the spies, God judges all of them. Forty and over, yeah. you will die. Yeah. You will not enter you've made the decision yeah. fine. You, except for my two faithful guys over yeah, here in yeah. their households, they're good. But everybody forty and older are going to die in the wilderness. I'm going to let you wander around the wilderness, for, you know, yeah. for as long as it takes. And then the, your children who are younger, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention the that. next good, generation. Yeah. They will go in, yeah, because I'm not holding your sin against them. Yeah. Their gen, that gen, is it forty year old or twenty or twenty or? Uh, it's uh, forty. Yeah, I think it's. I think yeah, it's forty yeah, and older. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think so. Uh, you know, you're going to be judged of, and then anybody younger than that, they're going to go into the promise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, God, God's promise is to this people, mm. and it's like, well, uh, my, I'm committed to this people, but if this generation doesn't want to go in, that's, you know, except for Caleb and Joshua, that's fine. You wander in the desert, uh, and it's the younger people that go in. And I, I just think this puts, and this is the lesson that's drawn out from this later on in Scripture, you know, Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, mm. do not harden your hearts as you did in the desert. You know, in God, because God said to them, "You shall never enter my rest." Like they didn't enter in because they just they wouldn't respond to God. And at the end of the day, we can find ourselves wandering in the in in the desert, in a sense, in a metaphorical sense, going round and round in circles, like they literally did go round and round in circles in the desert, the Israelites for forty years. You know that that and that forty years kind of stands for a generation uh, because. They wouldn't enter. They wouldn't. They wouldn't take that step of faith. And and I, the, there is always the opportunity for us. It's like if you feel like you're wandering in the desert, think to yourself, what is the last thing that God asked me to do that I didn't respond to? You know, like go back to that. And and it's like because at the end of the day, it's not not that you earn God's favor, but you actually do need to respond to it in faith. And. Uh, and I think there's a challenge for us here to be mindful of the decision that we're making. Is God speaking to me? Am I responding to God? Because that's how we move forward. Oh, man. Is it just me? Or are you feeling convicted as well? Matthew there challenging us. If we feel like we're wandering in the wilderness, if we're wandering around in circles, what was what was God asking us to do? What was the last thing God asked us to do? Are we being judged as well? Are we 
Are we as just as bad as the Israelites who've said no to the promised land and now we're going to be just walking in circles? I'll tell you, that convicted my heart pretty pretty uh, full on there. Hey, listen, I hope you're enjoying Numbers as much as I am. Looking forward to continuing with as we wrap up the book of Numbers next week. Don't forget, we want you to head over to thrivetoday.tv. Please donate, become part of the supporters community because on Friday, the 26th of March, we're going to be doing our live video Q&A through Facebook, through the new Facebook group, and we would love you to be part of it. All right, until next time in a fortnight's time, we'll be back. Thank you so much for tuning in and downloading Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.